0: good morning out there.
1: I'm Ken Sagendorf. I'm Edgar
0: Papke. Welcome Welcome to True Alignment, where Where we talk about- All things alignment. All things alignment and life and business and in the world as a whole.
1: Indeed. We're live from the Gronowski Innovation Incubator in the Anderson College of Business and Computing at Regis University in Denver, Colorado.
0: In the United States of America, I just wanted to like, like really fill out that, that yeah. mouthful
1: get, get some more words in there I, I'm
0: always it's, it's really great. You must introduce yourself a lot like that because you seem to just hit it right on the nail. you got to time.
1: breathe in deep before you start or else you can't get to uh-huh. the end. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and uh, we've got, uh, we've got a guest here this morning. Hi, Derek. how are you doing? I'm doing
2: well. How are you two doing? Thank you for having me yeah we're,
1: a- we're welcoming Derek Bennington this morning.
2: Oh, I appreciate it. I mean, this is, this, is a, this is a pleasure to be here. You know, the, one of the first things I have to say is, Edgar, you have one of the most soothing, most amazing podcast voices. It's like NPR car guys. Like, I've only been here for like 20 minutes and I already kind of feel like, you know. Like your,
0: like your carburetor's acting up. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, my, my engine's definitely revving right now, that's for sure. Something's
0: backing up. Something. So. And with us, of course, is James. How are you doing today, James? Hey, good morning, guys. Doing uh, great. How about you? Good, good. And I hear that you've uh, done a little bit of tracking in terms of uh, our audience and and the international expansion.
1: Yeah, it looks like we got some new uh, downloads. I mean, we do have uh, seven in Russia still, so that's uh, been interesting. Um, Germany, United Kingdom, Portugal, New Zealand, Mexico, Czech Republic, Switzerland, Bulgaria, Belgium, Panama, Puerto Rico, Singapore, Taiwan
0: and and uh the only thing that i could take from that is that uh, a it's my soothing voice apparently but uh more so that uh alignment is everything it is yeah it's it, it is the great predictor of success and and uh in a lot of ways happiness in life when we're misaligned every misalignment is an opportunity
1: definitely yeah. an international alignment to work on. Yes. Uh, (laughs) We're pretty positive. It was Nancy Pelosi that downloaded us while she was visiting Taiwan. A lot of
0: good Nancy jokes going (laughs) on.
1: Hey, uh, so uh, as we welcome Derek, I want to give a little origin story of how I met uh, Derek. And so we had uh, a young man whose business we started out of the Innovation Center here, and he was a participant in our innovation challenge. And we Convinced him, uh, I knew the gentleman who was running the Veterans and Residence program in the office out of the WeWork office. And I convinced uh, uh, my friend and, and colleague, Sam Peterson, to take his business down there and, and, and become part of that Veterans in Residence program. And, and Derek, you and your and your then business partner had a business called Craft ATI. And you were doing some work with that Veterans in Residence program. And I happened to wander into WeWork one day. Um, and then you you had an office that looked a little bit like my my incubator here with all the all the space on the walls with stuff written all over the walls and you know I think we just sat down for about an hour and a half and we just kind of hit it off right away.
2: yeah, yeah that was uh you're going back a few years but um, that was a great space that was a really fun fun space to be around so many creative people uh, entrepreneurs and the veteran residence program uh, it was was a really cool partnership at the time I mean being able to work with Hark and the whole team there and just learning all the different uh, businesses that were coming out of there and how driven those uh, those entrepreneur veterans are Um, and uh, one of my good friends, who's uh, expanded his brewery down in Florence, Colorado, came out of there too. So, oh, I remember. I, yeah, yeah, I
1: remember meeting him. You know, you gave uh, well a couple things. I mean, one is you were such a a mind warp for the, for those military entrepreneurs, right? I mean, because because your background in this kind of creativity and and innovation, this this asking of the questions of what if, um, you know, you could see that you were really like. Uh, warping the minds of those entrepreneurs who are like, what do I do next? And you're like, well, have you thought about
2: <laughs> Yeah. I mean asking asking questions is a is a talent. And unfortunately as, as human beings, we're not really wired to ask questions. Yeah. We're wired to give answers. And so when you're when you're hit with a lot of those types of questions and you're challenged, it it makes you reflect. And when you reflect it makes you think at a deeper level and it makes you consider Different things, and your brain starts to connect information differently, and it's just—it's a fun place to be, you know—to—to um, to work with people like that and ask questions. And
0: so, so it's a that natural tendency not to ask questions. Uh, I'm always looking at life and human beings through the lens of that we begin with this innate curiosity mm-hmm. that we move from there. Um, so, uh, you know, as we. It's much like uh, uh, fear. We have fear as children. We just become much more sophisticated in responding to it as we become adults, right? And so the same thing, I think, probably happens around questioning, uh, Do we have fears that inhibit us from asking questions and being curious. So here you are, and you're in an environment where there's, where there's a lack of that curiosity, that lack of that quote-unquote creativity, mm-hmm. which is really about curiosity, isn't it? Innovations about solving problems through the lens of curiosity. Mm-hmm. So, where I have a curiosity. Mm-hmm. So, in your life, then, where did when did you recognize that you had a what I perceive to be a higher level of curiosity and creativity than most of the people around you? How did how did that discovery come to
2: you? Uh, I have a very interesting background. So I don't. I, I wasn't born and raised and had that traditional path. Right. I've, I've been on my own path for, for years. So even going back to my undergrad days at the university of Colorado, that I was going to be a, a born and bred, uh, architectural engineer. I was in forensic engineering. My grandpa was an engineer architect and junior year. I was like, I just don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. I I love the analysis part of it, but I'm, I don't align with the people. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not my type of people. Um, and that was a, that was a, big realization because here I was spending the last, you know, six years of my life prepping to be an engineer. And then all of a sudden don't, don't want to do that. So what do you do now? Um, So got into entrepreneurship, startup, straight out of the garage type Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, And did that for a few years and went back into engineering in business development, marketing, realized why I left in the first place. And they graciously let me go and provided and paved the way for me able to go back and get my MBA. And that's where I met my, one of my great friends' mentors, Kerry Plemons, who I was his GA for. Um, knew his wife from the wine and liquor distribution business I was in for a while. And uh, we hit it off. And by the time I was graduating, he's like, have, have you ever thought about consulting? You, you kind of have that, that knack for it, right? You're really good with people. You ask a lot of questions. I'm like, no, I never even considered it. And uh, so I started my career with a small company here in Denver, and then things just kind of took off. And I realized that I just I loved the world of innovation and strategy, and where people, creativity, all of that start to collide, because um, it's such a big deal in everything that we do. From personal business, doesn't matter. Uh, as humans, we problem solve hundred times a day. We mm-hmm. just don't know it. We don't. Mm-hmm. We don't recognize it as solving problems but we're doing it every day. And it's unfortunately something that uh, has diminished quite a bit over time. You had talked about, we started as curio- very curious, asking questions when we're younger, but by the time we hit adulthood, I mean, it just, things change and Yeah, it's something.
1: Derek, talk to me a little bit about the uh, creativity cliff.
2: The creativity cliff. Okay, okay, so I have to get ready for this one. Just, um, this is a this is a mother. Um, so, uh, George Land, best German. Uh, so George Land, back in 1968, did a creativity test for NASA to assess the creative genius. And what he means by that is the divergent thinking uh, ability at a genius level. So 140-ish IQ um, for, for those people to, for people to come up with ideas when tasked with the problem. And uh, he was assessing engineers and scientists for NASA, but it works so well he decided to do it for kids and adults. And so he tested over 1,600 kids uh, at five. And then when they turned 10, he tested them again. When he turned 15, he tested them again. And then he tested about 200,000 adults-ish. And what he found was when we're five years old, so, you know, that you think of it that really curious, fun kindergartner. My my youngest son is about to turn five. So that's where he is right now. And... uh, he found that 98% of them tested this genius level of creativity. So to be able to come up with ideas just out of the gate, right? 98%. By the time those same kids hit 15, or excuse me, uh, 10 years old, only 30% tested at this creative genius level. By the time they were 15, or uh, excuse me, 15, 12%. And then when they hit adulthood, a mere 2%. So you have this massive drop off called creative clip Renee Brown talks about it in some of her in some of her work as well but about 8 years old we just go off this creativity cliff and there's so many reasons behind it and when you think of creativity this creative genius being able to diverge right that's our ability to come up with ideas and to, and to problem solve at that very high IQ by the time that we make it to adulthood only two percent of us are well, able to a, do it. A
0: couple of thoughts come to mind now. I know yeah. my, my wife keeps claiming that I'm a three year old, <laughs> so <laughs> and that's why I, I feel like I never grew up. Now I'm like, yeah, right, I don't grow up. There you go. Yeah. I, I thought I thought I'd fill the obvious gap that everybody was thinking about. Yeah. Um, and uh, and the and the other uh, piece of it, the other thought that I have around that, is that um, there is a uh, there's also a school of of study which correlates to this, which is what is with someone's uh, curiosity quotient? So you could you could here get a sense of the higher your curiosity quotient is, which is really interesting because the higher the curiosity quotient, the higher levels of success that uh, people are correlating to that as they study it. And then you come back to this piece. So how does somebody, in fact, and what do we do with this idea that we need creativity, we need the curiosity, mm-hmm. and yet we realize that two percent carry forward with it? well, that really puts a, it puts a, a really a little bit of a, mag, a light on why uh, f- so p- few people really um, are the great entrepreneurs, those that we kind of you know, look to and we give a lot of uh, celebrity to. So you start realizing that it's really a small part of the population. The other question that it raises is. What can we do differently in our business context? What can we do differently in our daily lives to, to manifest that? It's interesting, too, in your, in your story of your life. Um, you, you went about some prototyping, and then you came back to the well again. When you went back to engineering, you thought about marketing or, and realizing you were in the wrong place again. So there's also, this, this in a way, this constant challenge of, of testing our, our curiosities and testing ourselves to be more creative. It's really an interesting place. Uh, It's an interesting piece to think about. So your work is really focused then in helping people in organizations and helping people to discover or rediscover. And in a lot of ways, we can talk about rediscovering the essence of who they are to have the freedom through which to fearlessly create, to fearlessly be curious. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, and you kind of alluded to it, but one of the the scary stories that come with this is – if you think about that drop, that creative cliff, right? That five-year-old, 98%. Eight-year-old, that's where the cliff is. That's where my oldest son, he's at eight years old. So this hits pretty hard right now. Um, and it, it, when you get down to being an adult and you're 2%, basically we, what we're saying is that by the time we are five to when we're adults, right, we've lost 96% of our ability to think of it at a divergent creative genius level. So our ability to solve problems effectively as we were when we were five years old. Here's the connection. That means that out of the general population, only 2% of us as adults are equipped and have the confidence to problem solve at the level that we need to. And here are businesses, they're wondering why our innovation failure rates are so high why they're not growing, why they're losing customers, and why they can't, why they can't push the boundaries and why their competition is, is taking grounds from them. This is a huge part of it. And uh, it comes back to skills. It comes back to confidence. It comes back to culture. I mean, there's a whole lot of reasons behind it. Um, but it's a, it's a really telling story of where things are. And sadly, it's not getting any better. If anything, it's getting worse. Um,
1: so we, we should have said this earlier. Derek is the author of a, of a book, Creativity Push-Ups, and a forthcoming book called uh, The How-To Guide to Creative Problem Solving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and you know, one of the things I've recognized, Derek, in, in your kind of path is um, you have such a deep passion about this that you're trying to give away kind of the – Exercises to get people ready to do the work that we all do as business consultants, right? I mean, unless you can do this kind of work and, and limber up and limber up in this in this area, it's really difficult. I mean, in this Edgar, this is your and my experience with um, with a lot of the businesses that we consult with is is that we talk to them and they can see it, and then as they go away, they lose it really quickly, and so you have to continue. I mean, this is the value of of our coaching model, right? I mean to continue to coach them through asking these questions, and and business is always um, modern business values the answers more than the questions. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely, you know, and I think that's an expectation that we have of leaders is that they just have the answers, and everything you read about leadership is really about being able to ask good questions to get to processes of problem solving, processes of conflict management, um, but it's not about having the answer. Um, all the time.
2: Yeah. It, there's a, it, a lot of the, the work that I've done and some of the things I've really, um, realized is, uh, and Edgar, I think you, you're the one who actually told me this quote way back in the day when we first met creativity is a spoon that stirs innovation. Oh, if that sounds t-shirt. familiar. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, I should put in a plug for the t-shirt
0: and yeah. see if you can sell anything. Yeah, right? There,
2: there you go. That, that'll, that'll be my mission. I'm going to make sure I sell at least 1,000 well, t-shirts. Oh, it's nice of you to remember that. Yeah. Thank you. No. I, um, much of my career is built around that. And then let me tell you why. is because innovation, failure rate, 90%, right? That requires creativity. Creativity, the way that I have defined it in my class at University of Denver and in my work in general, is just the, the, the ability to create ideas, period, we don't need to get more complicated than that. So therefore, every single one of us is creative. We are just creative in our different way. We're, we express it differently. The problem is, is that people have shrunk and gotten beaten down so much that they their creative confidence is gone, and they get to the point of, I'm not creative, or that's somebody else's job, um, or I just don't feel comfortable sharing my ideas because nobody listens. Right Now we're getting into to culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and... There's, there's so much that goes behind that, and it's not just a skills thing, right? Because I can give you all the skills in the world, but if you don't feel confident and you don't feel valued in your, in your ideas and whatever, it's not really going to matter. Um, and uh, so it, there's this collision between creativity, the ability to create ideas, but only 2% of us of adults have that ability to do that effectively. And that's what drives innovation, yet we wonder why our innovation failure rate is so high.
0: So I want to so. peel away at that a little bit, and here's why. I think that I'm going to add to it to say that we don't see I, – I believe that people do have ideas, and I do think that they have their natural curiosities. I think it's a matter of how they bring it into the world. In other words, how much can I actually be – uh, for lack, I mean, a popular, trendy words today are transparent and authentic around my ideas. And so I, I think so much of this is the fear of whether it's going to be heard or not, let alone the judgments that I'm going to get in response to my ideas. And so we have these different levels of fear that we begin to connect to those. Am I going to be embarrassed or humiliated? for? Is somebody going to ostracize me for this? Um, how much can I really be open and honest about the things that I'm thinking without uh, the fear of getting a response that's going to affect me in a way? And, and over time, I collect those responses, and they become a part of who I am until, you know, here I am in adulthood, and I'm so cautious. Yeah, I, I may have the idea. Or, because how often do you hear somebody saying, oh, there's a million-dollar idea. You know what? I had that one. And in business, so often, the judgment is made on, are you going to get success out of that idea? Just because you have an idea doesn't mean much. You have to be able to execute on it. You have to be able to prove that it's a good idea, mm-hmm. which I think is a very uh, creates a very limited mindset because the experience then is not one of where we celebrate the freedom of thought and creativity. We actually almost immediately go through a place of judging it. And once we move to that place, then we just can start, you know, kicking in all the fear that comes along with it. And it's kind of like you can sometimes see as we facilitate rooms full of people and executives and in workshops, you can see people's, you know, you can almost hear the gears turning, yet nobody's saying anything. And so design thinking, problem solving methodologies, some of the things that you're bringing into the into the world and saying, look, here's a, here's a systemic way for solving problems. It's almost like we have to peel away that and say, that's because we're so interested in the outcome. What we're really talking about here is processes for people to express themselves and express their creativity. Unless we, from what I hear from you, is unless we have that, we're not going to even get, get to any really good problem solving. We're not, we're not even going to figure out what the right problem is until we open up our minds to be curious and, and explore. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, one of your earlier podcasts, you talk about the the lack of processes and um, Mm -hmm. the ability to, to problem solve and that that's a big part of it, right? A a lot of it is, okay, I've got ideas, but I also don't have the skills in the process, right? Because so many, I'm sure you've experienced this, right? You walk into a boardroom or you're just kind of watching fly in the wall. Okay. Here's our problem guys. What ideas do you have? One guy raises his hand, everybody else just kind of looks around, right? Um, maybe after a while you get some ideas, but the there's always a
0: timeout. If you have an idea, you better
2: have brought your PowerPoint deck right. With you. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, and, uh, or you get the same 10, 15 ideas that you got last week. And here's the thing is um, without reason the, the book was called Creativity Pushups, right? The first one is because our, using our creative problem solving mind, it's like a muscle. If you don't use it, you lose it. It atrophies. So not only do we go through this creative evaporation, right? The creative cliff over time, but it also just like, I I just can't, right? I I might have some ideas, but it's not nearly what it was before. And I lack the processes and the skills to help me Reinvigorate those creative juices, right? To get myself up to that to that next level, and that's why you you said earlier, like that's why my wife tells me I'm a three year old, and that's why I feel like I never grew up, mm-hmm. right? Is because we have we have found a way to keep that creative confidence and those skills, just to the point where we feel confident to be able to share, but most people don't, and um, it's it's a big deal because not only in business but personally too. I mean, think of all the problems, you probably have to solve more problems personally than you ever do, uh, than you do in business. Especially if you're a parent, you've got multiple jobs, right? You're, you're trying to navigate the new world. Um, education, you know, the, the, with, with kids going off to college. You know, what does that look like?
0: You step back and you realize you've been doing that all your life, really. The, the, I mean, the, the, the problems you're solving always come back to yourself. They yeah. always do.
2: Yeah, ab- absolutely. No but over time, around. you you don't have the you don't have the chops like you once did to to deal with it, well, right? Not, you keep you know, coming w- back to the same yeah, thing. Yeah, I
1: always wonder, you know, Derek, if that is a is that is that a little bit of a conditioning factor, which I think you you mentioned, Edgar, is that you know, um, you know, who do we assign socially? Who do we assign curiosity and wonder to? We assign it to artists. Mm-hmm. We we think you don't have that in business.
0: Yeah, we keep coming back to business as art. You know, yeah. It's all about uh, creative expression of human emotion. It's yeah. just showing up in different ways. I think we need to recognize that day in and day out, yeah. moment by moment.
1: I would agree. I, you know, one of the questions, Derek, you and I went out for a beer. Was it last week? I mean, time is flying by. But um, last week we went out for a beer, and, and you know, I asked you if the new book and, and, and the Creativity Bush, uh, Push-Ups book was about um, a toolbox or a mindset. And you very clearly right away you're like, mindset. And, and, you know, I think that this is one of those questions is that uh, um, here's one of the similarities between the consulting that Edgar and I do and the consulting that you do. Um, and, and I'm, you know, I'm going to pull myself out of that conversation because as I watch you and your work over the years, and Edgar, as I, as I watch your work over the years, one of the amazing things is the both of you give away a bunch at the front end. Um, I, th- I think this is, you know, I don't, I don't know how to say it, but you're kinder, gentler consultants in some sense, right? I mean, it's not that, you know, in order to get any keys, you have to pay in. It's, you, you both are a welcoming, you, you both welcome these businesses in to think for themselves before you actually enter into the consulting with them. I mean, and part of that is, you know, you're both natural conversationalist um, and passionate about these things. But I, this idea of being, being a mindset and the idea that you practice this, you practice this so that you can be ready to go. I mean, curiosity and wonder, that's where I just keep coming back to this idea of, you know, you're kind of a social misfit if you spend time being curious and wondering, <laughs> Because we are, I mean, we're robotic. I mean, now's the time when I should have a movie reference like right here about the <laughs> about getting in system, right? Um, and it'll come to me a little bit. Um, you know, somebody was telling me the story about the, um, the beginnings of the minority report. You're familiar with that movie, The Tom Cruise, where, you know, you go into a store, they scan your eyes, and they know what you like, and they know what you bought before, and, and everything's in system, right? I mean, it's very robotic, and as we're talking about... Uh, AI and machine learning, this idea that um, that Minority Report book is old, right? That is a writer from, I don't know, the 40s to the 60s, somewhere in there, that wrote about that as a potential. He was an ethicist that wrote about that as a potential. Um, And that's where that science fiction book comes from, is Mm -hmm. an ethical argument. But this idea that curiosity and wonder, they're acceptable at a certain point in our lives, and they become kind of less... Less acceptable over time.
0: Yeah, and then as as I'm experiencing as I get older, is that it becomes accept, it becomes um, more acceptable, acceptable again. again? <laughs> yeah, because yeah, then it's just a crazy old man. You yeah. <laughs> so what's he talking about? I don't know. He's just like, you know, mm-hmm.
2: you know that the, the number one cause why it's not acceptable anymore is I mean the the number one right now is education. You know the uh, the education model. You know, if if you've seen Sir Ken Robinson's YouTube, number one YouTube on a, just creates schools kill creativity uh, education and they creativity. should and they should teach creativity like they do literacy,
0: and which would require us to let our students um, openly move around the classroom and not call it a, a disorder mm-hmm. uh, rather because people just learn and they retain and they're more creative uh, as they move around mm-hmm. uh, rather than to sit. Mm-hmm. Well, see, and that's, you know,
1: Yeah, I mean, that is the core of the Montessori-style models of education and things like this. Um, You know, here's where the business people come in and say, how do we scale this? Right? Um, We don't know how to scale that. We don't know how to scale chaos. Right. And I, and I think this is one Number of the
0: one, stop worrying about how to scale it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Controlled I mean, chaos.
1: I mean, I think that that's the, you know, that's the irony is that we we throw a business model and I, you know, I was, you were talking earlier, Derek, I mean, that Ken Robinson talk with the whiteboard behind it on yeah. YouTube is, you know, that, that example of, you know, find how many ways can you come up to use a paperclip and the, you know, the six-year-old says, well, what if the paperclip is 90 foot tall and made of foam rubber? And, you know, I think, uh, you know, the college-age kids come up with like six ideas, like clip papers together, right? yeah. <laughs> so take a fun- lock, so uber functional. <laughs>
2: yeah. Pick a lock, come yeah. On. You can pick a lock, you know. Wouldn't be a good lock, but you know. Yeah,
1: Um, but it's just, uh I, you know, I think it's full of irony that these things might be conditioned out of you. I mean, and I think Edgar, that's a really. I mean, I know you you said it in a funny way that you know once you get older, it's it's more allowed, right? The eccentricity. Assigned to that is 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 more welcomed at a certain point. Yeah. So now
0: when Lori says you're acting like a three year old, I said, "No, I'm just a crazy old man now." Okay. You know?
1: Is this our infatuation with the, uh, you know, the big five, the big six entrepreneurs? I mean, I you know, I always joke with with the students when I teach entrepreneurship. I always joke that you know we roll out the the big five, the big six white guys as um, you know these models of entrepreneurship. But they're, they're oddballs, right? I mean, and, and, I mean, you can predict who they are, right? Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk. Um, Oprah you know, Winfrey. Richard Branson. Oprah Winfrey is like one of the very few women that ever makes that list. Um, but if you think about it, she's completely different than the things we assign to the other big five white guys is, you know, their eccentricity is valuable. Mm-hmm. That's not the same thing we assign to Oprah. That's
0: my point.
2: I think there's a couple of other things going on here too. Is um, all too soon we jump to the conclusion that creativity is right. You talked about being an artist or that entrepreneurship. Yeah. Right, that's a very dangerous connection because there's a there's some level of creativity obviously to be an entrepreneur, but that's that's not it. And it, this is going to be in the new book, and this is something I teach every single one of my classes. Is one of the biggest issues that we have done societally and within business in particular is that we lump everything into a single word of creativity, but there is so much behind creativity. So creativity, the way I define it again, it's just the ability to create ideas, period, end of story. Keep it simple. With that, you have the way that you are creative, right? That's your creative style. You're a creative in your own way and it's unique to you. You're also creative um, and you express it in a certain way. That's creative expression, right? Artists, painters, dancers, those creatives—the ones that are saying, "Wow, they're, they're really creative." That's a uh, creativity is served <laughs> for the pretty artist. That's an expression of their creativity.
0: Uh, I thi- yeah, I th- I th- that's a great point. And we—it's so interesting when you look back at the study of that. It begins with multiple intelligence. We don't we don't use it as multiple creativity, do we? yet that's what you're referring to. And I look at that and I say, well, actually it's one and the same. The origin of that form of multiple intelligence, whether we learn through music, art, however it is that we go about learning, really at the at the core of that is those are the sources of creativity. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's an abundance there. What's so interesting about it, as soon as we start using the language of intelligence, then we start looking at it differently and then... We've never really been able to and, and, and there's so many wonderful opportunities there. We really haven't elevated that or transitioned it into a way of thinking in business.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It really hasn't happened and it, it does in pockets but we really haven't adopted that as a way of thinking about innovation in business unless you're a design uh, you know unless you're a design minded person that's and, and even then, a lot of uh, organizations do not like the idea of even the language of design because they say, well, where's the ROI on that one? And we're going to use a lot of time and energy to put people in the room to do design work. You know, where's the ROI? Where's the return? And right away we limit ourselves. And we just even limit ourselves in the language that we use to describe it and our ways of building structures around it. It's a really good point.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, Going back to language, uh, you yeah. talk about culture. Um, Language is a huge part of it, right? What you say, what you don't say, your body language. I am not creative, that's somebody else's job. Or, you know, I only want these three people from the team because they're the only ones that actually are creative, right? I mean, that doesn't inspire a a culture of creativity. And if you want innovation, you sure as hell better have a culture of creativity. Yet most leaders and adults, they don't have what it takes to be able to do it. And I
0: just had that conversation. Your timing is great. I had a conversation about that with a CEO last week. And I said, what's, what's really, what's missing? I asked that question. And as we dealt into that, he came away with, we don't have a language. We actually don't have a shared language around what we're talking about. We don't even have a shared language in terms of really understanding our culture and what's going to be what we're asking of people. And so you've, you've hit that one right on the nail head.
1: Well, you know, the, lang- the, the, the language part that comes up to me as you as you both are speaking is the idea that, you know, we talk about creativity as a way of thinking mm-hmm. instead of a way of being. And, and I think as we tie that to mm-hmm. culture, right, I mean, and, and, and as we talk about um, companies that have all of these processes in place, that really is about the culture of the organization. It's about the way of being and the way of acting more so than the way of thinking.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so, so your point about, you know, we have all these cultural kind of uh, landmarks um, I, I know when I talk about culture and it always kind of misses the organizations we're working with, you know, I say, what are the, what are the symbols you see? Yeah. Um, and, and they're more than things on a wall because we've seen businesses that have phenomenal things on the wall to remind them of the culture and no one in those spaces. <laughs> I mean, that was one of the uh, biggest ironies <laughs> I, I think I've ever, ever, uh, ever experienced was, you know, the, the work on culture of the symbols on the wall um, but no one ever in those spaces, <laughs> I just thought that was pretty funny, but this way of being, right. I mean, uh, Derek, you talk about kind of the exercising of those, uh, of those muscles and you talked about uh, muscular atrophy there, but the, the exercising, and you know, that is a way of, uh, it's a way of being, you know, one of the things I appreciate about the both of you, because I know you, um, separately and independently is that, um, Everything you speak about is you, right? I mean that is ha- that is who you are and how you how you act in the world, um, which is why I enjoy hanging out with the both of you, <laughs> frankly, um, right? I mean there's there's a there's a purity and an alignment there. I mean that is the yeah. at the core. There's nothing in the way of me understanding you, mm-hmm. right? I mean you're both kind of pure souls in the, in that sense. So
2: I appreciate that very much.
0: I admire your admiration. <laughs>
2: I
1: always got to wait for Edgar. I always got to wait for Edgar to give that back to you.
2: (laughs) To be human is to be creative. Period. End of story. It's a unique, it's an innate human trait, but unfortunately it just gets to the point where it's not valued. And so we don't give it. And so you talk about personal alignment, organizational alignment. Um, Creativity is a part of who you are. And when is that, when that's so beaten down by creative evaporation to the point that you feel so incompetent or not confident in your ability to say I am creative to the point you say, I am not creative. I mean, that, that's, that's a huge problem. I mean, inside, outside, just, just in general. And so you talk about language. One of the, one of the, if I could just instill one statement in every single leader's mind is that you are creative and every single person that you lead in, in your business is have creative superpowers you have no idea even how to 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 cultivate or nurture but you have all the answers you need right here you just don't know how to get to them yet and they're not in a place where they feel comfortable or confident to give it to you so if you want innovation you want to solve problems you want to grow you want to you want to make an impact in the world you better figure out creativity or it's not going to get there
1: well, and and you, I think you bring up an interesting point, Derek. This is the second time I've I've kind of had this thought in the last uh, few weeks. One is I got to see uh, an innovation speaker, and and I think people were, um, they were looking for the uh, the message from the mountain, right? And he's he's so good at this. He's going to tell us the the things that we <laughs> should do, and and you know the the irony was in an audience of of a hundred people for an hour. Basically what he said is this is going to take six to 10 years because you're going to, you have these skills already <laughs> and you have to figure out how to draw them out. Yeah. Um, you don't do them to them.
0: How to get to them. You know, Derek, you said, yeah, how do we, how to get to them. And my mind went right away to, well, what's getting in the way of them? Cause you're not going to get to them unless we understand what's getting in the way of them. And then the other one is how do you create experiences in all of your relationships as a leader and have that mindset to create experiences. Because somebody has a mindset, I'm not creative. The only way you're going to change that is by changing their, their actual experience so they emotionally come at it differently. And that's what makes that, I think, in of itself, six to ten years, it's, it's kind of interesting. If I'm 40 years old, I started losing it at three years old, and now here, here I am, and in a way it's kind of we re, it's realigning to my core mm-hmm. you know this is realignment process of who really am i and how does it show up and then you made a really powerful comment around you know c- creativity and the i went to the value of creativity i think a lot of times what hinders people's ability to just be openly creative is because somebody's going to be judging their value you know it's that's that's pretty much the way that works and so how do we shift our way of thinking and then demonstrating to one another through our behavior in the words that we choose the words that we choose in our behaviors towards others that welcome that and say yeah put put your put your fear and your angst aside here and just let your mind what, what where are you going what what's your emotion telling you what, what's the connectivity and the alignment in your being that allows you to just express cuz that's what we're really asking for people to do is just Go for it. Express it. See what shows up. Because that nine-foot foam paper clip is a much different perspective, and to be able to freely bring that into the world—that's a—that's a pretty telling.
2: Yeah. yeah. Now I've got—I've got to say that that six to ten-year thing actually makes me a little a little nervous? teed off. Well, not nervous. It pisses me off to be honest, because it's not true. You know, I, I, I teach at the University of Denver creativity, innovation, design thinking. And one of the first questions I always ask when the students come in, right? These are juniors, seniors in, in, in college. Um, who knows the difference between creativity and innovation? Nobody can really answer it. So that's that's number one. Number two is, all right, who in this room thinks that they're, they just, they don't feel like they're creative or they're not creative or they, they associate that with somebody else? N- no joke, nine out of 10, every time. Like, well, why? Well, because that's, that's artists. Those are photographers. Those are, that's somebody else. I'm like, wait a minute. No, you've got it all wrong. And I'm going to, I'm going to prove it to you. And within weeks, within weeks of understanding that creativity is just about uh, being able to create ideas. And then you express those in a certain way. And you have a style behind that. And there's confidence that go with that. I mean, I've heard comments from students saying like, I'm coming out of my shell. I'm I i I'm starting to see my ability to be more creative and, and to be more confident with other classmates and teammates now because I understand the difference because of the language. And now I, I, I know that I'm not just nuts or crazy or whatever. It's like that's my style. I'm cool with that. And now that I understand what creativity really is and it's an expression that's getting in the way, I I feel pretty good about that. So I've seen this creativity piece – Within days to weeks,, six, six, six to ten years, so, forget about it. People don't have the time for that. So
0: what's different? what's different in that experience from in general the experience that people are having? Uh,
2: well, as a student, I, 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 first and foremost is I have them in the classroom. Context. right? Well, it's context, yeah, but they're there, right? So they're there, they're present. And you hit on the nail in the head earlier is creating the experience that allows them to engage in a way they haven't ever been. So therefore they're, they're starting to buy in, they're starting to align themselves with the context a little bit more. And then I provide that, that language and the differences of like, creativity is not what you think it is. There's 10 or oh. 15 layers of creativity and then when we start so. to split that out, we develop the environment that allows people to come out and say, wow, that's so cool, I can be myself again. So there it
0: is. So there's the context and there's the experience that shifts. Not only do you give them the language, what's really at the core of that is their emotional being shifts. Mm-hmm. So they Absolutely. start, they have a different emotional response. And once the emotional response shifts, then the mindset shifts. So and that's so, the game.
1: So here's the real movie reference. And, that and then I'm how
0: do you bring that into organizations? Yeah. Because your classroom is a wonderful context in which there is a permission mm-hmm. that's given can we give the same permission within our organizations for that to happen? And I think that's, that's, well, that's the shift.
2: Permission. Yes. But you got to, organizations and leaders have to take the time to do it.
1: Yeah. They set the conditions.
0: ROI again.
2: Yeah. And they set, don't want
1: to. Set the conditions. And, and you know, Derek, I, the one pushback I would have is that when you have them as a student in a class, there's a certain amount of focus that we don't have in the workplace right? You have all these other things you need to do in the workplace. And so we do it for like a day, <laughs> right? And then you go back to your normally scheduled program. But here's the movie reference I, I think really belongs in this conversation. You know, we all kind of enjoy that coming of age story because people real, uh, re-realize things about themselves. And so uh, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Did you all see this movie? Right? I mean, and so the, here's a wonderful story about somebody who really pictured themselves as non-creative, Right. I mean, he was merely a task person to um, keep the keep the artwork on the back end. And as he's chasing who he thought to be the creative, the photographer, um, he learns all about himself and and really, I mean, reframes everything about his life and his relationships and 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 his value. Um, And and I think that's often how we sensationalize um, being creative is that we we have to have something drastic happened that says the thing we have now is not what we need mm-hmm. as opposed to creativity is all around us already. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's, you know, really the, you know, the the deep value of your work is, is to say, no, you don't need, you don't need a, a natural disaster to happen to find creativity. It's there. It's already
2: there. Yeah. It's, it's already there. You just have to cultivate it and nurture it in a certain way. And for the movie reference, I was hoping you were going to go down to like Caddyshack or something, <laughs> you know, super classic. That would have
1: been good. People ask me about these, and where do they come from? They just come in the conversation.
2: Yeah, I watched Dumb and D- the end of Dumb and Dumber again last night. Great movie. I mean, that's one of the best t- top top one movies in in all of time. Top one. Yeah. Top one. Top one. Top one. Top <laughs> one. Yeah, Caddyshack's up there. Top five.
0: So uh, let me uh, uh, a couple of thoughts. Uh, the first one is thank you so so much for joining us here today. A wonderful conversation, great insights. It's a real pleasure. So thank you, uh, very much. Absolutely, thank you. Uh, another thought is uh, thank you, everybody out there, and and in our, specifically in our international audience, our expanding international audience. Thank you for for uh, for listening. Um, Ken, anything to add? Yeah,
1: uh, kudos on the new book. Yeah. The how to guide to creative problem solving. Yeah. yeah is that out well, already?
2: Or? It is it is not out yet. We're uh we're about a month away from being in hand printed and not sure if that's gonna be on Amazon or not. That might be a uh an exclusive hold to the chest and give it to the people that um you know, that that want it, that that really wanna take those take those steps. But we'll we'll see. We'll see where it goes. I'm excited about it.
1: The other kudos is um, it's a to the, creativity question. Absolutely, to the excitement that you have uh, working with those young people at the University of Denver. Yeah, um, you know, I got to go see your class uh, kind of do their final presentations yeah, on, great on their day. assignment. So uh, phenomenal! So kudos to you uh, uh, on those two things. And and I just echo what Edgar said. Thanks for joining us today on the True Alignment Podcast.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a, it was a wonderful time.
1: Uh, be sure, uh, everybody that's out there, to look in our show notes with the podcast and find the links to Derek's website and uh, links to buy his book.
0: And as always, all questions, thoughts, comments are welcome. Info at truealignment.com. And uh, let us hear from you, and uh, and then you'll hear back from us. So with uh, that being being the case, thank you again, Derek, very much. And uh, I'm Edgar Papke.
1: I'm Ken Sagendorf. Have a great Thanks. week, everybody. Yep.
0: Thanks for tuning in.